Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The markets continue to be crazy. And as I've recently mentioned on the Gaines podcast, I'm pretty sour on markets. Talking to a lot of our trusted guests about weakness in the market, dare I say recession, but that might even be a possibility. Full disclosure, and I've mentioned this in recent Gaines podcasts, I've been shorting the market outright by using that uh, ProShares Ultra Short Dow 30. That's a, a triple short. Uh, the ticker on that, by the way, is SDOW. Again, that's SDOW. But again, take my advice as entertainment. I'm a degenerate risk taker. You all know that. And, and sometimes I get lucky, and I, I've been lucky as of late. Uh, but uh, using that tactic to goose my dry powder that I'm setting aside to eventually redeploy at some point. Uh, I'll try to get in on some of, of those good deals when the market is lower. And I, and I do see further downside. Uh, we've talked to Chuck Carlson, and, and as a lot of the Gaines listeners know, the Dow Theory is bearish. We've talked to Chuck Carlson about that. Maybe go back if you haven't heard the Gaines podcast on the Dow Theory being uh, bearish, go back and check that out. Uh, we've also talked about the Dow Transports, uh, an ultimate leading indicator. It's been getting smoked as of late, and that tells me a lot about uh, further weakness going forward. We've also talked about recently missteps in the energy sector. Uh, we've discussed that with Phil Flynn I'd encourage you to check that out if you didn't listen to that. Uh, Really explains the true reasons why energy is soaring and some of the missteps. And then talk about missteps. The Fed has taken a bunch of missteps. And I believe that's the biggest factor in weakness is Fed policy going forward. As the central bank is addressing record-setting inflation and changing its policy, and that will impact stocks, I believe. A big catalyst that I think is poised to uh, take stocks even lower. And so we're going to turn to one of our key Fed experts and try to get some clarity in all of this. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is GAINS. So let's bring on one of our go-to key Fed experts, David Jones, 
chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. David, always glad to have you on the Gaines Podcast. How you doing? Fine. Delighted to be with you. A lot has happened since we've talked. Um, Fed policy has gotten real. We've seen additional inflation. I was looking at uh, some of the uh, March-to-March comparisons on the inflation front. Uh, Things like bacon, meat, dairy, butter, all double digits. Bacon up 18%. Oranges up 18%. Butter up like 11 12%. Um, so food soaring and, and the market has kind of pulled back some as it realizes that the, the fed is going to have to raise rates even further. Um, I just wanted to get your take on fed policy and what we've seen the last couple of weeks, David. Well, it's an amazing story. I think almost no one thought inflation would be as we just saw in the number for March up. 8.5% on a year-over-year basis. Um, I knew Paul Volcker, uh, and uh, I just never believed that we would return to inflation at a rate that he saw and overcame uh, the ultimate inflation fighter, I would label Paul Volcker. Back in 80 and then 81, 82, remember, it was a tough battle, though, because in order to bring inflation down, we had two back-to-back recessions, one in 1980 and then a much more severe one in 81-82. So uh, it's a big job. Uh, I didn't think inflation would get this far out of control, but uh, that's where we stand. And to be frank about it, I really don't think we're going to see any major progress, um, certainly in the first half of this year and maybe even longer. We've talked about Fed policy missteps being behind the curve. Certain economists were claiming this is transitory. I, I didn't talk to any of them. So I, it's funny. Every economist I talked to said this inflation is going to be kicking in. I mean, economists I were talking to a year ago six months ago, transitory. They're like, this isn't transitory at all. I mean, you got major, major money printing. There's other missteps. Just real quick to reset the table here. Talk about the missteps that led us here where we're getting this inflation. And now the Fed has got to react and that could have an impact on the economy. And we're seeing it also in the stock market. Explain how we got here, first of all. The Federal Reserve officials who are responsible for keeping inflation under control, remember their two objectives are maximum employment and stable prices. I'll put that in capital letters. Um, And um, what happened is they were lulled, uh, Chairman Powell and his fellow policymakers at the Fed were lulled into a sense of of confidence, I guess I would call it, with regard to stable prices by three things, really. One is that the Western world, as well as Japan, uh, has an aging labor force, I would call it aging demographics. And that means that labor supply is going to grow more slowly over time. That means slower growth overall and uh, not even a hint of inflation coming from those 
aging demographics. Number two, and really important, uh, was globalization. When we began to develop supply lines uh, globally, um, the uh, reality was, you know, whether you're talking about Apple uh, computers or anything else, uh, if you had parts made around the world, the, the items were assembled around the world, what you were going toward were low labor cost countries in Asia and elsewhere to have these uh, goods produced, and that kept inflation uh, well under control. It took an awful lot of jobs out of this country. But um, Before you get to the third example, we saw how well that globalization worked during the pandemic and now with, with uh, chips and some of the supply chain issues. Well, it's a disaster now. Your point is very well taken. Uh, Uh, Those global supply chains have been uh, interrupted severely by the pandemic. Number three was maybe more important than anything, uh, the information technology revolution, which uh, is by nature disinflationary, and it's still continuing. So um, uh, that that may be the only good news on the longer-term horizon. But the answer is that no one at the Fed thought that inflation would ever jump this quickly to uh, again that march number which we just received eight and a half percent year over year the first issue you talked about was labor and that's another pandemic thing with the great resignation with people recalibrating what's important to them in life we've seen that on the labor front so that that one is obviously a big one some of it pandemic related. And then we talked about the globalization. And David, do you think now there has been a, a, a turn away from globalization since since we've seen this global supply chain issue um, and globalization being a key part of that? There's lots of talk of bringing production here, especially strategic production, chip production and other things. Do you think that that's a paradigm that has shifted and, and we're going to see some material uh, change here in the long run on that front? Without any question, um, uh, I think we've seen exactly, as you described it, a uh, major shift away from uh, all of those low labor cost countries in Asia uh, for production um, in those global supply chains. And um we're bringing it back here. Um, that probably is going to raise labor costs. We've seen wages going up sharply. That in turn would squeeze corporate profit margins and force businesses to raise prices. So um, there's no question but what that change will be a factor that will keep prices higher and make the Fed's job more difficult in trying to reestablish stable prices. The supply chain issues, higher energy, we've talked about the Fed missteps. So we're here now. Explain why the Fed has to start raising rates and then what that looks like going forward as they try to get a handle on inflation. Well, let's just start with a little piece of history. If you look back historically and look at Fed policy rates, you can either talk about that short-term federal funds rate, which is the rate on uh, bank reserve balances that are held at the Fed that are traded 
usually overnight, the, the short-term rate, or the discount rate, which the Fed charges banks to borrow at the so-called Fed discount uh, window. I wrote my PhD thesis on that, and I therefore could talk to you, Andy, for the next three hours on that subject, but I won't. Um, the, the, the fact is, if you look at these rates historically, those policy rates, whether you take the short-term federal funds rate or the, let's say, the discount rate, have always been higher than the rate of inflation. So if the rate of inflation was 4% historically, let's just take a number, or 3, three or 4%, let's say, then that policy rate had to be uh, essentially 4 or 5%. And if you look at that historically, that's where it's been. Well, guess where we are now? We're at, we're, we've got a quarter point hike in March, but we're still talking about, you know, a quarter to a half a percent interest rate and an eight and a half percent inflation rate. So the Fed policy rate is pitifully below the inflation rate, and it has a long way to go um, to get back to where that historical level consistent with stable prices has been. With this onset of initially bumping rates, I, I do question why didn't they get more aggressive? Aren't you usually uh, supposed to really set the table and get aggressive so you can start the trajectory? Why didn't they go 50 basis points? Uh, do you think that was a miscalculation? Should they even be a little more aggressive, even if if, if it's going to ruffle feathers in the, the stock market? Well, let's look at it this way. Um the Fed, because of the great credit crisis that went on earlier on from 2007 to 2009, combined with the pandemic, which hit the hardest in 2020, we simply ended up with a situation in which the Fed had these profound shocks to the economy. With the pandemic, the Fed was fearful immediately that all of these lockdowns would push us into depression. So what the Fed has been doing for really more than a decade is giving us virtually free credit in order to keep the economy going with these shocks, first the great credit crisis and then the pandemic. And so the typical trader in our financial markets that listen to your program have known nothing but basically free money. Uh, to use to speculate in the stock market. And beyond that, the Fed, in trying to boost the economy, wanted to see a stronger stock market and lower interest rates. So what do we have right now? In order to bring inflation down, the Fed wants to see a weaker stock market. And that's a shock to all of these young traders that have never known anything but at the best possible stock market based on free credit um, is shocking. And we- I think I mentioned on the radio show recently that one of the traders said, you mean the Fed doesn't have our back anymore? Yeah, the Fed uh, never was supposed to have your back there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. That's somebody, and that's a trader who's not even familiar with Fed mandates. I can't believe that. That even came out of a trader's mouth. The Fed doesn't amazing. have our back it, anymore. It, what, what, are you kidding me? I'd like to listen to those stock market shows on CNBC and all the rest. And um, it, it just struck me, having been in this business a long, long time, 
can you see the look on that young trader's face? Uh, never knowing anything but free money and stock market bubbles that you made a fortune on. That loose policy led to the big gains that we've seen over the past couple of years. I mean, that's been a direct uh, result of money printing and loose monetary policy as uh, investors go and, and, and try to get some big-time yield. And that's exactly right. And all you needed to do, let's, make, let's look at the big picture. Essentially, our inflation problem is a huge surge in demand, partly because of all the money people were making in the stock market um, uh, and the very easy money conditions that meant anything you borrowed to buy, whether cars or anything else, were uh, were really cheaper than ever in terms of the cost of credit. And uh, and so you had this surge in consumer demand, particularly post-pandemic, but you had this surge in consumer demand. At the same time, you had these supply bottlenecks that you and I were just talking about. So fundamentally, what you came to as a shock to virtually everybody was this huge jump in demand relative to all these limits on supply, including labor supply limits that you mentioned earlier, um, which gave us this inflation. But the danger is that uh, it's not over. Um, I don't want to get too much off track, but I want to mention at this point that a fundamental problem with inflation is in the energy sector. the Biden administration could never have done anything more wrong than to start a battle with fossil fuels the instant they came into political power. Um, uh, the greatest advantage we had as a country was that we were the ultimate first number one producer in in um, in natural gas and oil and. That was a miracle. That was part of this technological revolution in terms of horizontal drilling and some other things in the energy market. And it was the best possible position to be in. Hey, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to be back with David Jones talking about the possibility of a recession, how uh, Fed policy and higher interest rates are going to impact stocks. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday and Friday mornings. We're going to be right back with our Fed expert, David Jones, right after the break. If you enjoy learning about communities, culture, and history, then Shades of the City podcast is for you. We will bring you stories like the legacy of Johnson Publishing Company, most notably known for Jet and Ebony magazines. Basically what the world said African-American people could not do, these magazines proved otherwise. Subscribe now to Shades of the City on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Back with David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver, Colorado, author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. Any other plugs real quick before we pick up the conversation again, David? uh, Any plugs on your end that uh, I haven't mentioned? No, I think you've covered the waterfront extremely well. And I just wanted to mention for those that are tracking the Federal Reserve in terms of its policy that we have a kind of a big unknown um, along with those rate hikes that you and I were talking about um, that the Fed will have to go through this year in order to get rates up high enough to start to attack inflation. We have a extremely high Federal Reserve balance sheet. Uh, This is kind of technical, but when the Fed is buying bonds like they had been buying at at a pace of 120 billion a month for seemingly forever. Um, they their balance sheet, which is a symptom of how much liquidity is being pumped into the market, finally hit nine trillion dollars. To give you an idea of how high that is, and therefore how much liquidity uh, and buying power was pumped into the financial markets. Um, when I was Way back years ago, working at the Fed, uh, the Fed balance sheet was less than a trillion, maybe up in the $850 billion range. So just think about it. Um, the old, in the olden days, uh, that balance sheet on part of the Fed would never get, never even get perhaps as high as $1 trillion, um, given the effort both in terms of dealing with the credit crisis 
2009, as well as the pandemic, um, that balance sheet is now $9 trillion. Chairman Powell has admitted that the Fed has not had much experience in, in, in what effect that a declining balance sheet, which means less liquidity for the stock market and bond market, uh, will have on interest rates or on how tight money will get. But we did get the schedule from the Fed uh, at the March policy meeting, which said they're going to reduce that balance sheet by roughly $1.1 trillion per year or something in the range of $95 billion per month. Uh, those are big cuts. And the question is, what's that going to do? And that balance sheet is 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 another factor that is beyond rates. And a lot of people don't think about that. That is also led to when they've um, implemented that policy. That was a contributor to these record higher markets as well. So it's just an, another factor in this. How does this play out, David? They're behind the the eight ball, so to speak. They're going to have to, you know, rein in this inflation the stock market's not going to like it uh we can see that right now just recently with the weakness you know times before common knowledge hey a lot of these high flyers just go in hey buy the dips when the market has dropped a little bit well it's dropping and and you know people are buying the dips and you see that initial comeback a little bit but then it loses steam and it goes down lower so the stock market fallout, how ugly can this get? And and I, we were just teasing recession going into break. Uh, how likely are we even seeing a chance of a recession? And how could that all play out? Well, that's exactly where we are right now. And, um, you know, normally we can simply say to ourselves, look, uh, those monetary authorities know a lot more than we do about how things are happening um i'm not sure and, about that uh, though a- absolutely you know well, what <laughs> i've been you know I, I thought that for a long time but from talking to you somebody who's been in the fed and uh from all these economists that i trust all along i I've, i think the fed's lost a lot of credibility uh in my opinion well i think you're exactly right you took the words precisely out of my mouth um Maybe they're not as smart as we think they are, and uh, maybe and they're even being political. In, in a sit, well, I won't blame Powell for that, except that I do think that uh, to get reappointed as Fed chairman, which he just has been, um, I think he had to sound a little bit political. He talked a lot more about the uh, the person on the low end of the earnings totem pole as opposed to those on the higher end. And and for a while, I thought he might be a little bit political. I I really don't. I think he's a solid citizen. The only trouble is that uh, I don't think the Fed knows a lot more than we know right now. I think they're going to have to play this tightening by ear. The only thing that I've been interested in is if you listen to each of those Fed policymakers, whether they're doves who normally want low interest rates or, or they're hawks, who normally want high interest rates, um, they're all sounding the same tune right now. And that tune is we're behind the curve on inflation. We've got to get going and we're going to do more than you think we're going to do market. uh, So beware. That's basically where I think the fence stands right now, but I don't think they have any idea how much tightening they're going to have to do. 
in terms of how high rates have to go to bring inflation down. And as I said, there are some things that really trouble me. And one of those I want to mention right now, and that is, as we have seen this green revolution, one of the things that really troubles me is that the available capital to finance energy exploration and production has been shut off by these money funds who who now want to get into the environment issue and uh, social issues and um, and and governance issues, um, all these things completely apart from the question of whether or not we should be pumping up enough energy to keep energy prices down. Um, um, and by the way, um, I haven't even mentioned this, but in terms of commodities, they've also been uh, short, shorted on capital as well. Um, and we have an invasion of, of the Ukraine, which is, I don't know, accounts for 30% of the global wheat production. And so th- there are there are underlying institutional influences like this green revolution, which is which is working in the direction of higher inflation. And and that is going to make the Fed's tightening job to bring inflation down even more difficult. Yeah. And and that's some of the uh, missteps that I was alluding to earlier to the energy and demonizing it, picking a battle with energy companies after you aggressively demonized them at the beginning of uh, your tenure. That That's a factor. Uh, there's also the fertilizer portion of the petroleum. We were, I recently had a, uh, a Gaines podcast. We talked to energy analyst Phil Flynn, kind of delved into some of these things, but real big issues in this. And then again, the Fed waiting in, in waters that they really shouldn't have. It has nothing to do with their their mandate, some of these social issues. Yeah, these are a lot lot of the missteps that we've talked about. Uh, Real quick, back to the credibility thing. Has the Fed lost its credibility? Well, it's it it has. Let's just say it has a dent in its credibility. Having started my career in the Fed, I can't be too. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But the simple fact is that I think they were completely shocked by what we've seen in terms of this uh, explosion in inflation. There's one big difference between my idol Paul Volcker's ability to slay the inflation dragon back in 81, back when it was as high in in 80 and then 81, 82 as it is now. Um, it took a long time for inflation to build back in those days. I wrote a book about this, but uh, the um, it took a long time for inflation to build up during that those years. What's happened this time is it it exploded post pandemic and um, surprised I think almost everyone. And so I'm not going to be overly critical of the Fed, but I really do think they're behind the curve. I really do think they're shocked that inflation was not transitory, um, and um, and I think they're going to be shocked by how much they have to raise interest rates to to bring inflation back down. Ultimately, how does that then affect the stock market? You know, as as we try to get guidance forward, you know, right now we've seen the weakness. I mean, is there potentially a lot more to go? I mean, the the, the market's not going to like 
you know, this aggressive monetary policy. And then also, as you alluded to earlier, pulling back on the balance sheet. Exactly. The, the stock market is in, is in for a huge amount of volatility. It's really hard to say how much stock prices are going to fall or how much bond yields are going to go up. Fair but enough. I simply would say at this point, stock prices are going to fall further and bond yields are going to go up and they may go further than we than we thought. I guess that's the best we can say at this point. Um, but uh, the Fed has a big job to do if it wants to get inflation under control. You've been watching this stuff for decades and decades from what you've seen over over the years. And it's been a long time since we've seen even anything remote to this. And, you know, the Fed's not going to have your back if, if you think that's going to happen right now. They're implementing their monetary policy. So uh, where where do people get cover in these kind of situations? Well, I, I, I suppose you just you, you just want to reduce the percentage of your portfolio that's in stocks. So, um, and for a while, at least in bonds, I suppose at some point bond yields will get high enough to become once again, attractive. Um, I've always said that, it, and and even savings accounts. Uh, what I've been amazed at in this period of perhaps a decade of uh, cheap credit is that savers finally said, "Look, I can't earn anything in a savings account at a bank or in a savings instrument. So therefore, I'm going to go speculate in stocks and precious metals and." and the real estate and um, even cryptocurrencies, but let's not get into that subject. Um, and um, the, the um, so it's, it's been a totally different world. And I think all of that has to come to a crashing halt, basically, um, as we go through this process. The, the additional point I would make is that it means the Fed's gonna have to tighten you know, well into next year and perhaps even beyond. So we're looking at rising interest rates for some time ahead. And it was interesting. You alluded to it. Um, today was an interesting result. When we got that eight and a half percent consumer inflation rate, um, the market first went up. Yeah, that that was a head scratcher for me. I mean, it really rallied hard. Exactly. I said to myself, how can that happen? Well, some in the the market said, well, this may be, this has to be as bad as it's going to (laughs) get. Right. This is the peak, right? That's what they were saying. Oh, well, all our hopes, uh, the markets are higher because all our hopes are this is the peak. That's it. Crazy. And I said to myself, as that was as, as that was being said, I'm not sure they're right about this. And of course, the market ended up down today. I think. Yeah, it, it did. And uh, even at full disclosure, again, at one point when they were up, I knew the market was going to close today. I'm like, this inflation data. I, it, it, for them to rally hard on this, I, I just don't see it. So I piled on my triple short position even further. So, um, you know, and again, that's a very short-term play, and I don't suggest everybody do that. You know, putting a little money aside in dry powder, there's going to be an opportunity to pick up great companies. I well, mean, that's yeah, exactly you know. right. I'm, I'm in no way saying that, you know, uh, that that's weakness in the stock market is, is, is permanent, but we are going to go through a rough, 
And I think it's going to be rougher in terms of stock prices than almost any investor expects uh, at this point. And I imagine a lot of the gains listeners are uh, probably a little newer to this, newer to the market, haven't really been roughed up. And uh, that's an important lesson to learn. You know, markets are volatile and, and there are times when things can get rough. And if you've never experienced that, it's a real eye opener when when things start happening. You said it better than I could say it. As we wrap up today's gains conversation, covered a lot of ground. And I think it's a, a nice warning for the gains listeners, you know, things to consider that, you know, it may be rough waters going forward. And, and um, you know, stocks might not immediately pop up when we have these big down days. But what's your parting shots today, uh, David, as far as our conversation here? Well, I'm, I, 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 will, I will go back to, um, to how good this economy was in January, February uh, 2020 before we got the news of how bad this pandemic would be, which took, what, 900,000 lives in this country. Um, the, the, um, uh, the economy was hitting truly on all cylinders. And one of the facts of life, which really was impressive when, when every single income category was benefiting from an economy that had a 50 year low in terms of the unemployment rate, three and a half percent, Every minority group looking at their individual unemployment rates were at a record low. Um, the the um, wage increases at the lower end of the in, income earnings quartile was that were actually rising faster than at the higher end of the income earning quartile. Um, we really had a remarkably good economy, and I will tend to agree with uh, Chairman Powell, that 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 fundamentally that demand uh, is still there, partly because, of course, the government uh, boosted that demand. In addition to the Fed easing, boosted that demand. The government needs to pull back on that spending at this point to uh, try to bring inflation down. But anyway, our economy was in in spectacular shape. And one of the last numbers I want to leave you with is that. I watched the median to get a sense of the middle uh, of our great economy, the middle class of our great economy. Uh, I, I watched that median income number, and uh, at that moment, the median income of the economy went up about six thousand dollars, which is a big increase. I think we're somewhere around sixty-eight thousand dollars per year in media that median income that means half the country is making more than that and half the country is making less than that uh that was really a spectacular performance and um so that gives us some hope at the other end of this period of volatility and concern um that this economy in had been in extremely good shape before we hit the pandemic, and now this burst in inflation. That's David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. And again, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I always ask for that. I hear that's podcast gold. 
And then as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We'll be back on Friday morning and we are again looking at cryptocurrency. We're going to talk crypto on Friday and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.